Welcome to the Whiskey Congress. Honest, open talk dedicated to speaking the truth to those who are open to hearing it. Black, white, right, left. Most importantly, honest, bold, and fueled by good whiskey. In Whiskey Veritas, we are Whiskey Congress. Join the evolution. Whiskey Congress is back in session. Steve is back in the house, as you can hear in the background. I'm in the building. Good to have you back, man. We uh, had, 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 had to uh, do a show without you last week. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, last, I don't know, it feels like the last month I've been on the road almost as much as you have, it feels like, you know. Maybe, yeah, roughly. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm home and uh, in one piece for the next couple of weeks, so... You know, let's get to it. Let's get to it. All right. So, honestly, um, I, I, you know, I was to a lot of different media outlets and media avenues, and almost the one thing that almost all of them agree on is the Democratic Party can't get shit done. They cannot get shit done. Build Back Better has been on and off and on and off and almost there and going to vote and blah, 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 nowhere. And now they're talking about stripping it down into parts. Uh, the voters' rights bills, which you would think Democratic voters, Democratic representatives and senators would be able to completely rally behind, have not. It's been, frankly, pathetic, in my opinion. I mean, if you disagree, chime in, but... Uh... Well, I mean, I don't... I, 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 look, have they gotten it done? No. Did they promise that they were going to get it done? Yes. So, yes, on a surface level, those are Democratic failures. But let's be real about what these are, right? These are, these are failures of really, it's not so much that the Democrats have failed, it's that the Republicans have taken a, a staunch stance in just pure obstructionism. Yes, they successfully obstructed, absolutely. Right, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, and, and people are like, well, well, Joe Biden didn't do this, and Joe Biden, look, I, yeah, you, you, he campaigned on, he was the guy who could reach across the aisle, and you know, bring Republicans to the table and talked about him and Mitch McConnell, you know, being friends for a long time, whatever. Uh, the reality is, is that the, Re the Republicans have a clean party line of screw them, yep. right? Um, and then the other part of it is you've got Joe Manchin, Kristen Cinema, who are loving being the ones to kind of screw this whole thing up for Biden and the Democrats, right? Um, you know, cinema is just rolling in cash coming in from conservative GOP uh, uh, PACs and CPACs. And I read an article how she is pretty sure she's going to be the next president of the United States. Um, so she's what? Like, what? 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 yeah, she, I, I guess, you know, and I, I don't know how, how accurate it is if she really believes it. But, you know, the article said that a source close to her, you know, that, that okay. works is, is, okay. is, saying that she believes that she's going to be the next president and she's going to run and all this other stuff, um, which, which seems like a bit of a pipe dream. Um, you know, I don't know who, who she feels that she's going to attract, you know, um, on a wide scale, like who her base is. Well, but some of these folks are so out of touch, Steve. I mean, the... Yeah, I mean, it's, she's completely, you know, on another planet with this, but... Nonetheless, her and both Joe Manchin are basking in the glow of being, you know, the, the roadblock to Joe Biden and the Democrats, uh, um, you know, congressional agenda, um, you know, and people are blaming Joe Biden for not getting them on board. And look, 
I where I do blame the Democrats specifically is, you know, they did a lot of chest thumping and back padding back in 2020 because they were able to flip Georgia, right? Yeah. And and because they got two senators in Georgia, um, and they didn't lose the Senate, but they also didn't win the Senate, right? Right. Um, <laughs> they because tied the Senate they, right. with the tiebreaker. Okay, fine, you have a tiebreaker, but you, you, you know, because of the filibuster, you are essentially in gridlock, yeah. right? And, and But there was a lot of back padding going on by Democrats and progressives. and it, Well, the progressives were upset because Bernie Sanders wasn't the president and none of their favorite annoying people were you know, put into high positions of power. But nonetheless, the, the, the left and the Democrats were you know, like, hey, we won Georgia and you know, we didn't lose the Senate. And, and you know, a lot of that sort of you know, moral victory, victory lap, back padding um, – that, that Democrats love to do, right? They love to celebrate the little victories and the moral victories and all that other shit. But, you know, looking at this, you know, and I think we even said it, at least, at least I said it back in 2020, at, you know, once, you know, everything, all the dust had settled, was that the Democrats have a problem, right? Like, you, if, if you don't have all 50 senators on board, right? If you don't have... Um, a majority and, you know, more than a majority, right? Meaning that you got to go get Republicans on your side um, for some of these bigger things. You're going to get killed by the filibuster every time, right? And here we are, um, you know, the two big promises were going to be, you know, build back better and voting rights. And they can't get either passed because you don't have enough in the Senate to really be able to do anything. You know, and I should also mention that in 2020, they lost ground in the Senate, right? So the Democrats were doing a lot of celebrating. Yeah, Joe Biden won, and yeah, you got Joe Let's go to the House. Right, but in, in Congress, in the House, like, you lost ground there, and then in the Senate, like, you've got a tie, and then you've got a president that is popular, but, you know, kind of yeah. on the fence, sure. right? And so... By not having, uh, you know, essentially a supermajority in in the Senate, um, you really left yourself vulnerable. And they're seeing it now, and there's a lot of blame, you know, and, and people are putting the blame directly on Joe Biden. But this really is more of a, of a party issue with their inability to get more control of the Senate um, in this last election when, you know, the, there should have been vulnerabilities there. Right. And and now they, they do have an opportunity um, coming up in 22 to make up ground. But I, I don't have faith that they oh, will. I mean, the, I mean, the numbers the, project badly. Right. The, the numbers project terribly when when you have opportunities, even here in Ohio, um, you know, like the, the, there's there's opportunity there to, 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 you know, to get another Democrat in the Senate. And yet. I don't think that they're going to be able to do it. And I really think it ends up being, you know, where, where Joe Biden is, is essentially a lame duck, right? Like he's going to run again, but I don't see how, you know, the only way you're going to get Bill Back Better passed uh, is if you let Joe Manchin write it and he's going to strip it down to the bare bones, bare minimum, right? He's going to cut out basically everything. He's going to throw in incentives for coal. I was going to say, and, West Virginia will be thrilled. If right. That West Virginia will, will thrive because of it. And No, they'll fuck up. Well, I, well they'll, I mean, they'll have enough money in the coffers to thrive. What they Correct. do with it is Correct. whatever. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know. 
I don't know what you have to do to get voting rights passed right now as things are with the filibuster, with, with the numbers that you have in the Senate. Um, so I just, I, you know, the, the, this, it's a bleak outlook for Biden and his administration and their agenda. Um, and, I, you know, like, is it the Democrat failure? I don't think it's the Democrats who are in office right now who have failed because there is, there is nothing that you're going to do to be able to crack that red wall of solidarity um, that's pushing back against you, right? And the reason why that wall exists is because they have, they have the leverage because they understand the numbers. So as long as they stay consistent, there's nothing that you can do. And the most important thing to the, to the Republican Party right now is to literally just neutralize Democrats. Yeah. And, and you know, put, you know, get their people, uh, get their people in, in, in positions of power at the state and local level. Because once you, that's really where you get your in, uh, agenda uh, um, installed and rolled out. And, and, you know, so if they can get, it, you know, if they can get their support and their money behind, you know, local and state officials, then they're bolstered that much more. Right. And, and, and they, they, they see and sense the weakness of the Biden administration. Um, the other thing that you're starting to see in the numbers is that, you know, the favor uh, or the number the polling numbers for Trump are not favorable himself as a right. person. Um, and, and you can even hear it in some of the, the Republicans, uh, whether they're congressmen or senators or, or whoever, who are starting to distance themselves from Trump and, you know, completely just sort of disassociate and move on. Um, because chances are there's, you know, Trump, there was a feeling that Trump was basically going to run unopposed against Biden, uh, coming up in 2024. And now that's not so clear, right? There are other people who are starting to say, you know what, screw Trump, I'll do it myself for the Republican party, Ron DeSantis being one of them, um, and, and a few others. And so what the Republicans are doing is what they want to do is push past the Trump era, but keep the, the object, the obstructionist, you know, sort of uh, agenda that they have, put a better, you know, face on it, you know, with a different candidate and run with it. Because the, the, the Democrats are going to be weakened by their inability to get these two things, the, the Build Back Better and the Voting Rights Bill, um, getting them passed. And, right. and, and the Republicans see that. And I think they're starting to realize that the path isn't Trump and that they can go with someone else keep a lot of the same, um, you know, thought processes and, and uh, agenda items that Trump had, uh, and then they'll be able to, to push right over the Democrats and really take control um, of the federal government and state and local governments for, you know, an extended period of time. Um, they, they definitely seem to be teeter-tottering on, on supporting Trump. Um, I mean, the fact is, the dude shouldn't even be relevant anymore. He lost the election. The fact that he hasn't acknowledged that yet is what it is. But he lost. And anyone who has half of a brain knows not only did he lose, JFK Jr. is not going to show up in Dallas and magically turn him back into president and all that shit. And yet, that, that um, you know vibe the trump vibe still resonates yeah. but at the same time there like I said, there's resistance and and the and ron DeSantis isn't a moron no you know he is a smart guy and he knows he's listen ron DeSantis is dangerous because he's not a moron because he's not trump right trump is a buffoon yeah 
uh, Ron DeSantis is acting like a buffoon, but I'm telling you that guy's resume tells you that he's not. And you can fake a lot of shit on a resume if you're talking about corporate America. You cannot fake shit on a resume when you're talking about being deployed and stationed in Iraq and Afghanistan and doing the jobs that he did. And the reason that that also what his job was in Iraq and Afghanistan and what he did in the military is what makes him dangerous. Because what, what did he do? I mean, he he was he was a military lawyer, but he he was the military lawyer for the special forces teams that went in for various operations, right? And the stuff that he worked on is highly confidential. And but understanding how the military works and how those teams worked, he he figured out how these you know he he worked on the legalities of what they did, and he put these guys in a position where if you do it this way, this keeps us out of trouble. If you do it this way, this is a violation of whatever, you know, Geneva Convention sure. code. Um, but in order to, to really understand that, like, you've got to understand your enemy. You have to up, understand what you're up against. And Ron DeSantis knows what a dictator looks like. He knows what a fascist um, government leader, how they operate, and the way that they think, and the way that they take control, and the way that they garner support, and how they rule um, you know, with a sh you know, with with words of love, but shows of force, right? You know, there were you know, it's it's lovey dovey that comes out of his mouth, but his actions are very aggressive and oppressive, and he understands how these people operate. So he's taking what he knows about how some really bad operators who are able to garner a lot of power how they function, and that's how he's acting with his the way he's ruling the state of Florida right now. You know, um, he, you know, suspended uh, um, one of his doctors at the Department of Health because that doctor, you know, was not demanding, not mandating, but right. was encouraging other employees to get the vaccine, right? He's a doctor in the state Florida Department of Health, and he's, got, he's saying, guys, look, I know the governor's saying that vaccines, we shouldn't have mandates, and, that, no, you know, you shouldn't have to take the vaccine, but as a doctor who studied this, I'm telling you, it's probably a good idea for you to take it for these reasons, X, Y, Z. And because of that, Ron DeSantis had him put on leave for, you know, an undefined period right, of time. Right, indefinitely. Was it was, uh, Paul... Paul... Paul Pino. Paul Pino. Dr. Paul Pino. Yeah. I mean, literally, if you are getting professionally chastised slash penalized for saying, hey, this is a good idea. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, I mean so, and, I, and that's and and that is, that's scary, right? Oh, I mean, terrible. You, yeah, I, absolutely. I, you know what I mean? Like, if you in in, you want to talk about government overreach and wanting small government, and yet, you know, one of you know a government employee just says something that you don't agree with, right? And you have them, and you have them leave. put on leave because of it, right? And I'm sure they'll make up some reason that he was, you know, dereliction of duty or something like that, but. Nonetheless, but they're not even coming out and saying, right? Like they're 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 just saying, I, yeah, yeah, like he said that, and we suspended him. And you know, the scary thing is, we've seen this with the Trump administration and the people that are following Trump's lead, is that our system that you know they talk about law and order and all this other stuff all the time, but yet they break rules, they break laws, they they disregard well known norms, and there's there's little to no. Uh, repercussion for their actions, and so they're getting bolder. Um, you know, there's a lot of saying the quiet thing out loud that's going on. Yep, that's um, you know, coming out of the conservative and, and, and Republican Party, and and 
they're not seeing a penalty for it. They're not feeling it in any way, shape, or form, um, whether it comes to the, the voting booth or actual um, um, you know, char criminal charges or penalties or anything. And so they're getting bolder, um, and, and it's, it's, it's getting scary. Not only, getting, not only are they getting bolder, but they're being further bolstered when they do. Yeah. It's almost like if you don't take the, you know, quiet, quiet part out loud, I think is, it's the new norm. Yeah. You and I had a text exchange the other day about that, and it's like, um, yeah, now it's, now it's not only, okay, I shouldn't say this. I, I'm, uh, Steve, when we were having that text exchange, I was thinking back to uh, my ex-fiance's sister lives in Valdosta, Georgia, and we were in her house, I think, when she said something about, there, there was an incident involving a police shooting a black person. And she went, the police shot, I'm sorry, doing the head turn each way thing that you can't hear on the show, like a black person. I'm like, we're in your fucking living room. <laughs> and you're afraid to say what you're, what's on your mind. Now, I don't remember the details of that particular incident, but now it's, it's almost braggadocious. It's, it's aggressive how... Yeah, people literally, I mean, like, you just go online, you look at comments, or, or you even hear people talking out loud, and, you know, that same scenario where police shoot a black person, they're just like, good, they probably should have shot him, the guy was a criminal. And yeah, right, he's now, a bad guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, you and, you, you know, you've got Mitch McConnell, you know, talking about voting rights, and Mitch, you know, and he obviously voted against it, and, you know, feels very justified in voting against it, and saying that we don't need it, and if anything, we need, you know, tighter election laws right. for, you know, voter security, even though he knows damn well that, you know, voting fraud is really not an issue, except really most of the voting fraud cases that we've seen out of 2020 came from conservatives and Republicans trying to manipulate the vote True. for Trump. Uh, but, you know, Mitch McConnell comes out and he says that, you know, black Americans are voting at the same rate as Americans, you know, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and I'm, sorry, I'm sorry for that snort, whatever it was. That's so disgusting, and I... You know, and, and this is what happened, right? I know what he was trying to say, right? I mean, he was trying... What he, was, he, he was... Well, there's, there's what everyone's turning it into, and, and they're implying it, and they're not wrong for doing it, right? But literally what he was trying to say is that black people are voting at the same rates as the rest of the country, right? Now... I'm not saying that it was an I'm not saying that it was a slip. I'm not but what he was saying is that this group of people in this within this this small group of people within this larger group of people are voting at the same rates as the other small groups within the larger group. That's what he meant, right? Like if we're just if we're all sure. but the way he said it, right? Black Americans are voting at the same rate or at the same rates as Americans. Like, as if that if you're not white, then you're not American and you get a hyphen. Yeah, you're a different, right? you're a right? subset of America. Right, you're a subset of America. Well, technically, that's not necessarily wrong, right? But, and, and, and so, it sounds like I'm defending him, but I'm not. Like, because I know exactly what he meant. So, if we're just all being intelligent adults, we know what he meant by it, saying that this smaller group is a part of a larger group and they're voting in the same rates. But the way he said it, that rolled off really easy, right? And I think, and, and 
you know, people want to say, oh, Mitch McConnell's not a racist. His wife is Asian. Like, come on, y'all. We, we've been down this road a million times, right? I mean, like, you know, Andrew Jackson, Thomas Jefferson, you know, like they sure. all had little black babies and they were all racist assholes, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, Mitch McConnell is who he is. You look, at it, you look at the way he's voted in the past. You look at the things he's done, the things that he's said. Um, you know, I don't think he's that much of a fan of black people, even though I guarantee you he'll say he's got a friend, a, f- a black friend, and that black friend, I guarantee you, is probably Tim Scott and or Clarence Thomas. Um, so neither of those guys get an invite to the, you know, the all-American black cookout, so to speak. Um, so Mitch McConnell is who he is, and he said what he said, and the way that he said it, and the ease in which it rolled off his tongue and the fact that he's not even really coming out and defending himself on it, right? I mean, He doesn't need to. Right, he doesn't need to because... Recently re-elected, 79 years old. Exactly. I mean... You know, is he going to make it to another election? He doesn't care. Also, he sees where it's going, and he knows that he doesn't have to apologize to his constituency because they are going to vote him in. They also agree with him, and they would probably say, say it in a much more clear and and definitive way than than even what he just said so there's no reason for him to come out and defend himself um you know and i I just think it's one of those things where two things are true true at once that he was saying what you know he was trying to indicate that again like i said the smaller group a part of the bigger group is voting at the same rate as the other smaller groups within the larger but he said in a way that you, you you can't even say it doesn't like, you can't even say that it, it didn't feel sound and check all the boxes of being a racist comment because he said it, and the way in which he said it, the fact that he's not defending it, it's just like, all right, well, we're just, we're just throwing it all out there, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, just, we're, we're putting all our cards um, in this basket of I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. <you're laughs> not, I mean, I, I wish I had a pushback, but I really don't. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and we can – and actually, I'm going to switch the topics around here, so, and, and we can run that right into the um, – you know, so Florida has this bill that they passed um, that essentially is trying to ban critical race theory in schools. But, it, you know, it, it, and actually, I did pull it up so I can read to you what it says. Do you want you to stall first? No, 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 it's right here. All right, all right. The only thing is, can I see it? Uh, here we go. Um, so it says, all individuals are equal before the law and have inalienable rights. Accordingly, instruction on the topics enumerated in this section and supporting materials must be consistent with the following principles and individual freedoms, right? So it goes on, no one is inherently racist, no one is inherently sexist or oppressive or consciously or unconsciously solely by the, solely by the virtue of his or her race or sex. Um, going down, an individual should not be made to feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of his or her race Instructional personnel may facilitate discussions and use curricula to address in age-appropriate manner the topics of sexism, slavery, racial oppression, social segregation, and racial discrimination. Da, 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 da. Um, it, uh, so there's all the topics, and it says, however, classroom instruction and curriculum may not be used to indoctrinate or persuade students to a particular point of view inconsistent with the principles of this subsection uh, or state academic standards, right? So the part that a lot of people are focus, focusing on is where it says an individual should not be made to feel discomfort, guilt, anguish over any um, or any other form of psychological distress on account of his or her 
race, right? And, um, you know, and then it goes on to say that the, you know, the teachers need to put their teaching um, curriculum, the, their teaching curriculum out in public in, you know, a week in advance and parents have the freedom to pull their kids out of certain discussions and topics if, it, you know, if they're not comfortable with what the teacher is teaching. Um, or if, you know, what this allows is that if a person does feel um, that they've been made to feel guilty or, or they feel anguish or what have you, that they can then turn around and sue, um, sue the teacher, sue the school. And, you know, it, it's, look, you read between the lines, and this is clearly a dog whistle directed at critical race theory, and, you know, don't tell white students that they're bad because slavery, because Jim Crow, because segregation, because civil rights movement, like, it's not their fault, don't blame them even though that's not what CRT is. I mean, but, um, you know, so the thought process is that, you know, a white parent sees, you know, slavery on the agenda, right, on the teaching agenda or on the curriculum or on the, the syllabus or whatever, then, you know, if, they're, if, they're, if they feel uncomfortable, if their kid says they might feel uncomfortable, then they can take the kid out of the class. Or if the kid sits through the class and comes home and says, you know, oh, that made me feel a certain way, then the parents can then go and sue the school. Um, now, the one thing I, I do take out of this is, oh, shouldn't be made to feel guilty. Shouldn't be able to. Shouldn't be made to feel anguish. All right. So I got a list of topics that black kids are never comfortable about. That you know, I mean, we we, you know, that gets taught in history and it's not taught accurately and and, and everything else. And it's kind of like, what would be interesting is, you know, black kids just like. Hey, this whole topic about Dwight D. Eisenhower, yeah, makes me feel anguish, right? This whole topic of talking about how great FDR was as a president, even though he allowed Jim Crow to go on his entire presidency, uh, yeah, that makes and also me, refused to shake Jesse Owens' hand. By the refused way, refused to shake Jesse Owens' hand and a slew of other things. Yeah, I don't really like him, and I think that you know your talking about him makes me feel anguish. So I'm going to sue you, right? And so that's valid. Right, 100% valid. Think about it. I, I, I had not gone there, but I mean, that's, FDR, that's, who was well, a hero in the Democratic Party, and yes. I'm as guilty as anyone of saying, you know, the the New Deal and the, the, you know, he was a game changer as a Democrat, but he also was apparently incredibly right. racist. Um, You know, Harry Truman uh, was... Well, there's some stuff there. There's, I mean, he was in Harry, the Klan. Oh, whoa. I did not yeah, know that. Yeah. Okay. Now he got out and you know said he was reformed and and you know Harry Truman did do some good things in terms of. Uh, also, of I was glad you were talking about the dropping the bombs. Well, because I mean, that's well, another he, thing that they well, like. We dropped two nuclear bombs right, so, on a war opponent. Right. Where the Asian where, where the Asian kids raise their hand, you know, all two of them down in Florida, and are just like, hey, it was know. dolphin and whale. Right. <laughs> South Snuck Park. that in there, South Park joke. It's a great if South Park episode. If you don't get it, look up South Park Dolphin and Whale. Oh my God, when I saw that the first Actually, time I But if you like Dolphin ass. and Whales, don't, because you'll, you'll be traumatized. Uh, but it's South Park, so it's fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, so I think that there are ways that this bill, um, and people are being really smart about it, you know, people who really don't like the bill. Um, if you're smart about it, there are ways that you can really throw a wrench in this whole thing and have this thing completely rewritten and out of there in pretty short order. If, you know, I mean, it, Jewish kids, black kids, Asian kids, 
There are a million Native topics. American Native kids. American kids. Mexican Native kids. Native American kids, by the way, are the Cuban. ones who get the least. All, well, I mean, I'm just saying, most like, <laughs> all of, like, any one of those groups, right? I mean, like, everyone's saying that this is to protect white people, blah, blah, blah. But just people think outside of the box. Just completely flip it on them. And then, you know, like, leave your kid in a class for any number of topics during social studies or history or whatever. And then fuck around and sue them. Right, because and then and then when they go to throw it out, just like no, we teach this all the time. This is normal American history. And then you go through and you point to the facts of the matter, whether it's FDR or any number of things that we talked about, or there's a whole sure. list of things that get taught that have some sort of impact on uh, on a, a, a racial minority or or another group. Um, then all of a sudden, when you've got all these cases that you have to defend, and you're using and and they used, and that's where they got in trouble. Right? Because they couldn't do what they really wanted to do and say, listen, don't, you know, what they wanted to say was, don't make white kids feel bad by talking about, you know, how bad our history is. Right? That's ultimately what they're trying to say, but they, they can't say that. So they word, it, they word it really broadly and generally to be inclusive for everybody. They don't mention a specific race. Right. They don't, you know, by name, they don't, mention a, uh, they don't mention CRT at all. And so what they did by trying to be clever, by, by basically trying to, in a broad sense, say this very specific thing, they opened it up for everybody else to then go in and say, all right, well, you know what? This makes me uncomfortable. This makes me feel anguish. This, you know what I mean? And you start throwing it out there. So then the problem that they have, they have to take each of those seriously, right? The, the, the Florida courts have to take each of those seriously, on, you know what I mean? Based in, right up against and, and side by side with the, with, with the law, and then if they if, if if they if they if they start throwing all those out, but then they start running the white kids up the chain, then they're going to have a problem, and they know that they can't do that. So what's going to happen if people are smart? Then black, okay, Native American, not, but, okay. Asian, who I mean, but listen, you're going to get I mean, you get the ACLU in there, and you get people from the outside who kind of manipulate sure. the situation. People like me, <laughs> like, Southern Poverty Southern yeah, Southern Southern Law, Law Center. Center, groups like right, that yep. go in and just say, "All right, um, hey, who's the family who's willing to do this?" <laughs> right, and then you do it, and you and you pepper the state with those, and the you know the legisl the, the the courts are going to come back and they're going to look at the state and say, "Hey." You guys have made the courts a mess. We have these cases. They all have merit. So before we rule against you in a way that's going to make you look really bad, you might want to eat this and go wipe that thing off the books so that this will be a moot point. Right? I mean, and that, that's, the, that's the pressure move that I would put on the state of Florida right now to get this thing punted. And hopefully someone's smart enough to do it. You know, uh, you're making good points. And uh, <laughs> the... It will be very interesting to see how Fox News and OAN try to tap tap dance around this because I'm sure they are cheering this on right right now and and, and but, then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah and, and that's the thing and, and listen and this is and where, this is by the way the opposite of saying the quiet part out loud they're trying to keep the quiet part right quiet, exactly and it's gonna bite them in and, the ass and, and, I love and it. this is where I get in, this is where I get frustrated with the Democratic Party right they're what the Democrats are doing across the board with this. Is they're all they, oh this is this is this is just an atrocity this is a blah 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 yes. blah blah they're talking about how racist this is and blah 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 and that's the thing and then they don't do anything about it right they'll, they'll get on the Sunday shows and they'll stomp their feet and bitch and moan and cry and then they'll move on to the next thing and they won't do anything about it and this law will sit there on the books right if you want to get this that you really want to you want to stick it to DeSantis and you want to fuck him in the ass and you want to get this thing out of there. 
you know, you want to truly rip his dick off, as, as Mark and Ben would say, <laughs> then you go in there and you throw it in his face. Right? Like, they're giving, like, you have all the ammunition you need. They, they made it so that you specifically couldn't use, you couldn't, you couldn't say that they were, you know, being racist because they didn't use a race. All right, well, if this applies to everybody across the board, then we're going to use it. we all going to use it. Right? And either you guys are going to have to sit there and, and litigate every one of these cases to its end, or you're going to have to take it off the books. Right? And it's just like, look, I, now, I gave you, I gave you the roadmap. You, you, uh, right, so somebody you go. That was really smart. I'm, right. I'm so somebody run out there and go do it. You know, you brought up Market Ben. We haven't had, we haven't talked to Market Ben in a long time. We did have uh, Whiskey Ben on with us last week, or on with me last week. And uh, thank you, I Mr. Eves. Thank you. I just want to, yeah. Really great guy and, and good and, feeling. He's actually closer to us now because yeah. he's down in Kentucky. Yep. He was, and we actually talked about how we need to get together sometime. Yeah, we do need to get together. But he was bitching to me uh, because he now understands what I mean by my cigar smoking season. Right, because you know, I mean, he like, left South Carolina. He left South Carolina, now he, and, and now he can't just step into the garage. Right now, he can't cigar. just step outside and smoke cigars and send me pictures and talk shit. So, uh, welcome to the Midwest. <laughs> welcome, Ben. Both Bens are welcome on the show at any time. Um, there was all right. So we talked earlier about the, the uh, saying the quiet part out loud, and I just said here's an example of the opposite of that. Well, one of the most ridiculous examples of saying the quiet part out loud. Is something you sent to me, and this is a Jewish couple in Tennessee mm-hmm. trying to adopt a kid, and they were basically told we're a Christian-based, state-funded organization, federally funded, federally funded. Okay, yeah, it's even a federal worse. Grant. Okay, even, all right, even worse. Yep. And we're not going to allow you to adopt a child because of you not having our principles, which right. basically because means you're, you're not Christian because you're Jewish. Yeah, and it's just it's disgusting. And this is this is this this doesn't. There's not a more visual or, or, or I guess, blatant, blatant yeah, um, um, just complete denial of, of, of rights than, than this. And, and, you know, this is, you know, we have separation of powers here. A lot, a lot of conservatives want to say that we're a Christian country, but we have separation of powers written into the goddamn Constitution. Right, Pun the constitution that they love so that much. They love when it's, so much, right? Like it, it's, it's in there, convenient. right? It's just like, well, they, you know, they reference God and all that other stuff, yeah. But then they also made a whole thing about, you know, religion and stuff in in the actual constitution, um, you know, because they, they they saw how the two don't mix, and yet here we are. We've got this federal funded, uh, federally funded adoption agency, and they're federally funded because they get um, a grant that. Was, is awarded federally, um, and this adoption agency just flat out told this Jewish couple, and it's in the article, and that's what they said, that you do not share our Christian principles because of your Jewish faith, and so we are not going to allow you to take the classes that are required to adopt a child, and we're not going to do the in-home inval- evaluation that is required for you to adopt a child. So therefore, you are not going to be able to adopt your child because we don't believe that you should be able to because you're Jewish. Now, the law in Tennessee, the way it was put in was that you, you know, like these different agencies, um, that they can use their religious beliefs to deny services, and it was targeted at gays, right? Gay couples and marriage and everything else. And now you've got one that came out and said, yep, gays and Jews, right? 
Um, and so then the question is, right, I mean, and that was sort of the, the question about the, 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 the cake baker that everyone said, oh, it'll never be because of religion. It'll never be because of race. It's just, you know, uh, you know, Christianity doesn't align with gays. Okay. Well, now Tennessee has gone out and said, yep, gays and Jews, you know, so then, you know, that list can grow. Right. I mean, you know, will they will they go will they jump directly to gays, Jews and blacks? No, but they may go gays, Jews and Native Americans because they're pagans with all their different spirits and Buddhists and 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 Muslims. And eventually, you know, I mean, like this, look, when you talk about a slippery slope like this is you're, you're looking down one right now. Um, and it's it's just it's scary. I normally hate the slippery slippery slope arguments. To me, this isn't even slippery slope. This is like them trying to slam dunk. Like, we can do this now because we're in control. We're Tennessee. I mean, when I, when I was down in Tennessee a couple years ago for work, I realized how fucking conservative that state was. It shouldn't have been a shock. But, like, totally jumping topics, their rules on marijuana are... Archaic. Archaic is exactly right. I mean, my God. Yeah. Like, there is, like, no reason... No, sorry. There is no um, legality of it in any way, shape, or form in that state. I'm like, really? Because I just drove through Kentucky to get here, and that's what spurned the fucking farm bill of 2018. Because I mean, Mitch not, McConnell saw well, the, the money. Mitch, right. Well, Mitch McConnell yeah. and Trump. I mean, right. look, when people tell me I should give Trump credit for legalizing weed, I'm like, not exactly. But... That bill did open lo- a lot of doors. Loosen things up. He definitely loosened loosened things up, and and, and I, I definitely won't real. give him credit for, credit for legalizing weed because he didn't, and he could have, right? I mean, right. Like, there, there were a number. Of, there's a number of different ways that this could happen, and yet no president has the balls to do it, and the Congress can't Congress can't get anything done, and the Senate can't get anything done right. because you know because they don't have the balls to do it, right? They don't. Have the, yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, but listen, it, I don't think that we need to really explain why this is so terrible, right? That you're going to just sit there and say, yeah, because you're Jewish. Um, no, you know, we're, you're not going to, we're not going to, all these kids that need oh, adopted. Oh, by the way, this kid that wants to Right, this, there's this kid, and the kid's in Florida, by the way. And, you know, this, this family is doing, you know, everything that they can to, to, you know, bring this child into their home and take them out of the foster system. And the state is getting in front of them and saying, because of your religion, we don't agree with it. So you, get, you don't get to adopt a child, even though it's something that is desperately needed and the, probably within the best interest of this child. Um, I don't know how that's not terrifying to anybody. Right? And I'm I don't know. And, and what amazes me is, is our, you know, the people out there who call themselves Christian who completely agree with this. You know the people who are, you know who go. No, does that shock you really? Though? No, because well, but no, but Christian I, I mean, hypocrisy has become it's just, a when you, when like understanding what being a Christian is truly. This should be utterly appalling to you. This should be should disgusting, be. and yet um, there are a lot of people who call themselves Christian who completely support this, don't see anything wrong with it, and think we need more of it. Uh, and this is this just cannot be allowed to stand, and I don't think it will be. Um, you know, I. I you really hope the federal government steps in and, and lays down a heavy hand um, t- to get this off the books. Uh, because I mean, and, and if, if the idea of... Do you have any faith in that happening? I don't. Okay. And, and, and look, I mean, I, I've said we, we are going the wrong direction. I've said it in private conversations with you and other people. I've said it on our Twitter account that 
I fear that we are absolutely going in the wrong direction, and I don't know how much longer we can continue to go this direction before we're not in a full tilt, you know, back backward spiral um, into some really dangerous waters. There's a, there's definitely a tipping point. Yeah, and I my fear, honestly, Steve, is that we're past it. I really, I, I, I yeah, I'm afraid I, to watch the movie Idiocracy again. I am afraid to watch it. Right, to see, because this, to, to, because your fear is that that movie may make more sense than what the hell is going on right now. My fear is that that movie predicts something will happen 500 years from now will happen in 2025. Yeah, well, there's that, right? I mean, it's just, it, it's, it, it is such a, it, it is a scary time. And, you know, and I try to keep track of... You know, as much as I can, I, I look at things. I look at what the progressives are saying. I look at what the you know the the rank and file Democrats are saying, and you know, the same thing with the with the GOP. You've got the rank and file, and then you've got your Trumpers, and then you've got the you know the 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 Second Amendment gun community, which is its own, I think, faction of this whole thing. Absolutely. And I, you know, people want to dismiss them. I'm like. Y'all really think it's a good idea to dismiss the people with the guns, right? Like, there's literally more guns in the country than there are people, and y'all don't have the guns, and they—that means well, they—they—they they, right. they do, though. I, I mean, mean, like the gun community, there's not a ton of Democrats, there's not a ton of progressives, and there's not true. a ton—not even a ton of independents in there. It's—it's—it's it's heavily. There are independents. I'm not saying they're not—they're not there. But I'm saying it's it's heavily conservative, it's heavily Republican, it's heavily GOP, it's heavily in the Midwest and the South, um, and and they're they're all over. I, I'm just saying like that's some. I keep an eye on them. I keep my ear to the ground. One because I do I do like guns. I'm an enthusiast. Um, I you know I've, I've built multiple guns now in my basement. Um, I shoot a lot. We've talked about it. One for a specific reason, training. Two because I enjoy it. Um, you know, cleaning my guns, putting together new ones, adding pieces, swapping them out. I mean, it's a hobby. It's actually really peaceful because no one wants to be around you when you're doing it. Um, and it is time for me to just think. But on the flip side, there is a f like the, the things and the modifications I make to my gun is so that they are better for me to shoot in case I ever need to. Um, and I've run into multiple situations over the last 18 months where I had my gun and it was in situations where I kind of needed it, right? I mean, you got people You're shooting. certainly happy to have it around you. Right. I mean, I got, you know, I've been in situations where people are shooting. I, been, I've been, you have you know, not fired shots in public. I that's, haven't, that's, right. I haven't. But, I mean, what I'm saying is that like, and, and part of it is where I work and what I do. Um, you know, going into really impoverished and rough neighborhoods, you know, in the hopes that we can turn them around, right, yeah. through, through, through development. And so... You know, and the reason why they need people like me to come in is because things are so bad. And so maybe I can impact a particular aspect of it. But not everyone there knows me. Not everyone, if they do, they don't necessarily give a shit. And if they got something else going on and I'm in the way, then I could become a statistic. Right. And I have to be, you know, acutely aware of that. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, this person goes in without a gun. Like, well, that's on them. Right, I don't. No, I think about. The, right? I mean, as I your mean, friend, I care about you, and I. Yeah. That concerns me. Something like, you know, shooting on the east side. I'm like, oh fuck, and I. Right, and and like, look, I mean, and look, a lot of these people don't necessarily need a rhyme or reason. You, you know, like there, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of misplaced anger. Some of it is appropriate place. There's a lot of mistrust. There's a lot of just violence in general, and and there are, 
you know, these, these, there is a lot of collateral damage that happens in these neighborhoods and you can't ignore that fact and you have to be willing to protect yourself. And how I choose to protect myself is to be armed in various situations. So, but that, but anyway, but we did, we did get off track, but my, my point is, is that that community in and of itself is interesting and it's important to keep your ear to the ground to hear what they're saying and what they're talking about. Um, because you can, I can make connections from that community to a lot of people that had involvement in January 6th, right? And, and I mean, and now we've had people that you guys talked about last week that have been charged with seditious conspiracy, and that was the big shoe that I've been waiting for the whole time, right? There is right. no way that you can get away with everything that happened on that day, you know, with even calling it an insurrection without charging somebody. Right, and I saw I saw enough. They showed enough on the news where you can absolutely say that look, so, there had to be planning. There had to be something that went into it. And once you start saying you're planning a situation where you're going to breach a federal building, right, for a specific purpose, and that specific purpose is to disrupt the political process, the peaceful exchange of power in the United States, that is conspiracy, right? That is conspiracy against this country, which is seditious conspiracy, which is a charge on the books, and someone needed to get hit with it. They finally did. I hope that there are more coming. Um, and, and when people see the sentences that are handed down for that, right, because federal guidelines, federal minimums, it, this whole idea, is, we're going to put... Is there a potential execution? No. No? Okay. No. But, I mean, pe- you know, people I, are going to go... I watched the last Mohican not long, long ago, and they were going to hang the guy for sedition, so... <laughs> no. Um, we, we've, th- no, but, but there, listen, um, you, one, we can't have something like that happen again, but we, even, even if things like you said are past the tipping point, uh, we still need to hold it together with some semblance of, of, uh, uh you know, justice for accountability. accountability for what happened on January 6th and, 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 you know, on that note, absolutely. And, um, while I am concerned we're past the tipping point on a bunch of things, if you give up, you're just adding to the problem. Right. So you got to keep fighting. Yeah. You got to keep it. fighting. And that's got why it. it's important that they, you know, that they came with those charges and that they get them through and, the, and you know, they, they hand out some hefty sentences. Um, and hopefully we find out more. You know, um, uh, the Supreme Court ends up approving um, the release of uh, the Trump administration documents as it relates to January 6th. Uh, Trump had been fighting that. It went all the way to the Supreme Court, and it was almost unanimous, except for Clarence Thomas, who dissented, um, as he descends into you know GOP madness himself. But um, hopefully, once you know they get their hands on those documents, whatever hasn't been shredded, redacted, deleted, and edited, or whatever, um, you know, we see. We hopefully we can find out how far up the chain this goes from a from a you know. Trump administration standpoint, I don't think you'll, I, I don't think that it'll, like, I just, I do call Trump a buffoon, but he's smart enough to keep himself distant enough away from the shit, right? And I would, I would definitely call January 6th the shit. The shit. Um, you know, did he have a gist of the plan of what was going on? Sure, maybe. But, you know, if, if, if that paper trail stops at, say, a Stephen Miller, right, and you can't make the jump to Trump himself, or you know someone maybe a little bit more notable in that group, um, um, uh, McCarthy or something like that, right? If maybe if it stops at like like I said, a Stephen Miller or someone at that level, I wouldn't be surprised. And I don't necessarily at that point need them to clamor for more. I have what I need at that point. 
it wouldn't put it past me if there is a paper trail a mile long that points directly at Stephen Miller, which is one of the reasons why I'm saying his name repeatedly, because I, th this January 6th had him written all over it. Right. Just the, the just the because in a lot of people were like, well, that would take a lot of planning behind the scenes. And I'm like, Stephen Miller is that guy. I'm yeah. telling you, he is that guy to, to put and orchestrate that together. Maybe not on his own. I'm sure he had help, but he's also smart enough to know that he's got to leave Trump out of it to a certain degree. He's also smart enough to know that he can't in involve big name people. Right. Because Stephen Miller, I think, is a true believer in Trump as a higher being a or God, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so he's going to protect him at all costs with, with doing something like this. But I, I, I could easily see, once they get into those documents, them pointing at him and what he did to orchestrate this um, and possibly being able to bring him down. Like I said, I doubt it makes its way up to Trump um, because th that's one thing Trump is good at, you know, you know keeping I, I, himself I, shielded. Here's, here's where I think – I understand your logic, but here's where I think you might end up being wrong – as much as he might be a guy who's been good at shielding himself traditionally, he also probably felt levels of pressure and power unlike he ever had before. And I can see him having said, you know, this is my last-ditch effort. I'm not putting this on anyone else because I don't trust anyone else but me. I'm, again, I'm not saying you're wrong. Mm, I'm just no, saying I'm, I'm not, not going to no, be surprised. You're not going to be able to connect it to him. I, I will say. I'm telling you, Trump didn't. Do anything on paper. He didn't do anything. You know, he didn't write anything down. I, there's but not going to be an email. There, there's, it's not going to be a text. And listen, quote somebody else quoting in court. It's not going to hold up right. in court, right? Rules of evidence. That, like you're not going to be able to bring in. You know, well, I heard him say like well, that's hearsay. Right. That's not how it works. I so understand. I, I just I and Trump's been Trump's been running his businesses. He ran his organization like the mob. Yeah. Right, and my bosses but he never got the scrutiny he's gotten now. Either way, he—I mean, look—he's gotten scrutiny before. He's been through multiple bankruptcies. He's been yeah, investigated that, before. That, that's for sure. Um, you know, he—he—he he, he learned from some people who who so, yep. know how to do this. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I, I look. That was very well veiled, by the way. Actually, not particularly well veiled. Uh, you know where I'm from. You know I know where, where I'm from. I, I do. You know where I'm from. <laughs> no, you know, but that's Youngstown, Ohio. There's never been. Any organized crime activity in Youngstown, Ohio, it's clean as a whistle. I do, I do want to kind of not. I was like push back. That's the wrong word, but just get your thoughts. You are more conflicted on Clarence Thomas than anyone I know, because you are such a huge. It's not that I'm conflicted. About yeah, well, you you you. What I've told, what I've said is, he's an interesting character, and it is. That's conflict. <laughs> Well, he is an interesting. He's a, right. he's, he's a conflicting character because if you look at who he was, as a college student, as a law student, to where he is now, like yeah, I mean, it's no different than Rick DeSantis, right? I mean, like look, I mean, DeSantis, I, I mean, you look at everything that he did from the time he was in college up until he became governor, and checks all the boxes as. All American Captain America superhero, right? Right. Um, and then you see his actions as governor, and you're just like, gee, what the fuck, right? Um, and, and and look, I mean, he's a really smart guy. And speaking DeSantis about DeSantis, or Thomas Hogan? speaking about DeSantis, um, but I can say this for both. They're, I mean, they're both intelligent men. Um, but 
ultimately, you know, they've gotten to a certain point of, of, of power and sort of, I think a lot of their, both, I think DeSantis and Thomas share this sort of thing where once they got to a certain pinnacle as it relates to power, they started to, you know, their, their, their whole makeup was pushing back and they're not going to be told what to do and they're not going to be put in this box, right? So Clarence Thomas wasn't going to be put in the box of a um, Thurgood Marshall. He's like, I'm not Thurgood Marshall. I'm going to make my own mark and I'm not just going to carry the water for any, you know, for Al Sharpton and, and Jesse Jackson, right? Like, I'm going to sure. be my own man and, you know, he ends up, you know, coming under the wing of Scalia, right? And 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 then I think he just always, I think it was, initially it was just pushing back against what people expected him to be. Um, and then he fell into that role of, of you know, be, basically, you know, being an obstructionist against, you know, the expectation. And now he's just get, gotten sucked all the way into the dark side. And, I, you know, the same goes for DeSantis, although I think DeSantis is even more sinister um, because I think he just saw an opportunity and took what he knew and what he learned, but you know, from being in the military and being an attorney, and, and and you know, people say, "Oh, he's not that smart. He's an idiot." But like, don't don't get fooled, man. Like some of these guys are idiots, and I'll tell you that Trump is a buffoon and he's no secret genius. But DeSantis is a different type of animal, and if you underestimate him and just continue to sweep him under the rug as a buffoon, he is a type of guy who can cause a lot of damage. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, he just is. And and you can say whatever to me and, and tell me I'm full of shit and you blah, blah, blah. And you're super smart. And, you know, some Ivy League professor progressive would I'm sure will disagree 100 percent. Right. But I, I, I know what I know and, and I see what I see in this guy. Um, and I'm not I'm not changing that story for anybody. And Clarence Thomas, again, really smart guy. He's got a really impressive resume. He gets on the Supreme Court, gets under the wing of Scalia, really falls into this role of you're not going to put me in a box. And now he's so far gone um, that it's it's sad, right? For me, it's sad because I think Clarence Thomas really could have been an even more powerful justice, but in a really positive way because he what like there was a time where Clarence Thomas would have been the guy who voted for affirmative action and he would have been for, you know, he would have been pro-choice and he would have been, uh, he would have carried a lot of the water for progressives and progressivism, I guess, on the court uh, to a degree, but he went the complete other direction. Um, and, and I think the potential was there for him to kind of be very similar to Obama, Right. Obama people. A lot of people thought Obama was going to be the super progressive liberal when he actually ended up being more of a independent, which it's a lot of. Yeah. Uh, yes. A centrist, which a lot of, you know, black people especially were disappointed in. Um, and I, I will always be empathetic towards Obama because, like, listen, he was in a really difficult situation where had he been more progressive and aggressive then who know. I mean, listen, if he's too if he's too liberal and he's too progressive, you know, people are talking about him not being reelected. And I'm thinking about him being assassinated, right? Like if Obama was too progressive, too liberal, too pro-black, I my fear is that he would have been assassinated. And and if you think that I'm being silly, you and I were just talking about Martin Luther King being assassinated and Malcolm X and JFK 
and Robert Kennedy. So, I, you know, there's a it, reason why. It, I no, take no, that. no, you're, you're, you're <laughs> I'm. <laughs> so, if you turn me loose on don't conspiracies, don't go down the conspiracy. Well, but but stay no, on topic. Well, oh, it is on topic. You you open the topic. <laughs> yeah, you did. Don't tell you didn't. But realistically, no. It, if you disrupt the overall structure of financial power, which basically comes down to the military-industrial complex, you're putting yourself at risk. I think Obama... I've compared Obama to Jackie Robinson, saying you had to do your job in a way that showed that all the shit that's been thrown in your face as a racist isn't real. And um, From racists. From, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Drew, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not no, trying to be a dick. No, 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 I'm, no, just, no. I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, you know, like... I, you know, whether it's Obama or Jackie Robinson, you 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 are picked as the as the one, yeah. the one with the air one, quotes, yeah. right? Like, so you have to basically say that you know you have to bust through all these glass ceilings, you have to bust all these stereotypes. No, this is true. We're hard. You know, is it fair? You know, no, it no, sucks, absolutely not. But right, it's, and, but and, it's, and, and it's sick, right? And and some people say that Obama shouldn't have played into it. He should have just been himself and been more progressive and blah 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 along. Like I said, I just honestly, I think there's a real world risk that he could have been killed for it. Um, and I don't when, think it's when, fair to just assume that everybody is willing to bear that 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 cross. It's you're, you're um, not right. you know, but it, going back to Clarence Thomas with this, you know, I just I, you know, so when you say that I'm sympathetic towards him or I'm conflicted, yeah, conflicted. I'm not. I just look. I, I look at who he was, and I look at his beginnings. I look at where he where he started and where he's at now. There's no conflict. Right, like I, I just—it's just—it's sad that it—that it. This is how it's going, and this is how it's going to end. Um, and and it, there would be conflict if I thought that Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas was redeemable. Um, okay, but there's, I, I there's not. I, I think you are conflicted in a ways that you respect him in a way, and that you're frustrated with him in a way. That's no, what but I'm I mean, conflict. I think there's any like you can look at any character and say, you know, I can, I can. There are plenty of people where I can look at and say. I don't necessarily like them, but you know I can acknowledge and respect this as this thing that they sure. did, right? Or this accomplishment that they did, um, where you know, and that's that's what that is with Clarence All Thomas. Right. And and so I'm calling that conflict, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're, I'm, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's literally not like it's a bad use of the word, like it's not conflict at all, like it's it's just not there by, is by no conflict by definition, it's not conflict, it's just understanding, do the right? Like, and that's kind of like what you're doing is actually kind of a shitty thing that the media does all the time, right? I'm just saying, like, hey, man, this guy started here, and now he's here. You know, that's a damn shame, right? The, there was potential, and then at some point, that potential, you know, went the wrong direction. And, you know, now we have this guy, and it's really getting a full understanding of the character. So you're coming out and saying, you're conflicted about him, and you want to support him. You are literally saying, you've said the word conflicted uh, multiple, multiple times. times. Yes, I say right. right? And, and so and you're, you're refusing to back down, for, even though you know that it's actually not conflict, because... By definition, it's not conflict, right? I'm telling I, you that, all, like, I'm looking at a line, right? I'm looking at something that started here, something that ended here, and I'm telling you how we got there. That's not conflict. No, I, I'm, I'm saying you are conflict are conflicted because how? because there have been times when you've been very aggressively uh, critical of him, and then you look back and said, "All right, here's where he started, here's where he ended up," and you've been in. No, oh, I, I, but I've never. Where I was critical of him with his judicial decisions, I stand by those. Okay. I don't care. Like, it doesn't... Because he because he was once, 
you I'm know, conflicted uh, on Bill Clinton. I'm not saying. But that's different. Like I, that. That's that's. There, there's a difference there, right? Because I, at no point, I'm acknowledging what Clarence Thomas was. I still acknowledge what he is now. Those two things don't align, but I don't need them to align, right? Where if I were conflicted about Clarence Thomas, it would be, man, I really want to support him, but. Man, I really I don't want to support him because I, I know I, there's no need for me to support him or not crit, like not criticize it. Like if he puts out a bad decision, like his his dissent in the release of the Trump's doc, of Trump's documents, that's just that's just bad judicial review, and that that's on him. I'm not, I, I don't feel bad okay. criticizing him for it. There's no conflict with me, you know, and okay. I don't really have conflict with Bill Clinton. Like, look, if the, look, I've said it multiple times, you got proof that he's. Doing shit he's not supposed to be doing, and 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 you know having sex with underage girls, burn his ass, burn him. Well, on that regard, we're on the same page. <laughs> we're, well, uh, but I get we, what we, you're saying, yeah, right? Like, we got we got to wrap up, but I do want to talk about NFL head coaching positions because that's something that Ben yeah. and I didn't get to last week. There is now one black head coach in the NFL, and guy. that is Mike Tomlin, your yeah. guy. Uh, yeah. So, so it, look, it, it was like you you only had three, and um. The Brian Flores down in Miami getting fired was a shock to a lot of people. Anyone who was thinking logically, yeah, I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, look, I mean, he he beat the Patriots twice in a season. He was uh, in the playoff hunt till the yeah, end. Yeah, I mean, despite all, right? I mean, fuck, despite I'm a lot of Dolphins, I'm a Bills fan. I don't right, care. But I mean, like he had multiple injuries. Like I mean, the 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 management put his quarterback in flux by saying they were going to trade for Deshaun Watson. Um, you've had a you know quarterback that you drafted in the first round who spent a lot of time injured. Like, listen, Brian Flores has done a lot with that team. They were one of the worst teams in the league, and then you know, like they, I'm, it really felt like they were off season away from being a playoff team. Yes, you know, Super Bowl ready, maybe yeah. not, but like, listen, you get into the dance, you got a chance. And so he was, he, it felt like he was an off season away from being right there. Um, and so for them to fire him, that was that was interesting. And, and now. You know, uh, you know, Cully down in, in Houston. David, was, Cully, yeah. David Cully was was let go. Now, what everything that I'm gathering is that David Cully walked into that situation and knew that he was going to be only going to be there for one year. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Every, I did not hear that. Every like, mu- like multiple sources, uh, NFL Network, um, different. You know, I I've got friends that work in the NFL. Um, and so they're directly tied into these conference, into these conversations in the various front offices, and it's it's pretty widely known that it was a one year deal going in. They signed him to multiple years, but you know the situation down in Houston, nobody wanted it, and nobody was going to coach there. They couldn't find anybody. They were you know uh, they were a trigger pull away from from hiring uh, 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 McCown, um, Josh McCown, Josh McCown. Okay. Um, for the head coach and everyone's like you like look if you're not going to even you know if you're not going to even interview Eric Bieniemy but you're going to hire Josh McCown who's been out of the league all of 45 minutes like that is a bad look. So they basically go and they get David Cully. Now David Cully is 65 years old. He's been in he's been in the league for about 30 years coaching. Um, he had never been a head coach before. He was a position coach, and a lot of people were concerned about it. But he went out there and he actually did a decent job. The guys played hard. They were just undermanned. You know, Deshaun Watson was their quarterback. They didn't have a good backup option. And not only was Deshaun Watson not there, he wasn't there for a really scandalous reason. They get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. They get rid of J.J. Watt. 
Um, you know, they don't have a good running back they situation. They gutted their roster. They, gut, they literally gutted their roster and were basically playing a, 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 a really good – they were fielding a really good college team, essentially. Um, and he went in there. He did what he could. And I think Houston really wanted Brian Flores. And um, or they wanted somebody, and then when they realized that possibly someone that they wanted would become available, or um, because they felt that they would be able to clear up the Deshaun Watson situation and get him moved out of there this offseason, that more coaches would find the job somewhat attractive. So they sent David Cully on his way with his $18 million and another, I think he gets another $17 million um, that they owe him or something along those lines. I, I don't know. Over the contra- Either way, he's going to get paid a lot of money. Um, and and so going back to the issue of race and head coaches in the NFL, I mean, the NFL is, I think, 60 or 70% black, and there's only one black head coach, so the ratio isn't good. Um the, the flip side of this is that Brian Flores is going to be a head coach in the NFL probably next year. For who? Right. I'm not sure. Maybe the Bears. I, I, you know, I don't think it'll be Houston. It could be Las Vegas. Um, you know, who? I, I forget all the other openings that well, are out eight. there. The right, but there's eight. <laughs> right, like Giants, Denver. Oh, uh, Denver is where I heard that, that there's a good chance that Brian Flores could, could end up. Um, so Flores, I think, is going to be back in the league. I don't think David Culley is going to be back in the league. I think he's very well respected, but he's again, he's 65 years old. He's never been a head coach before. He didn't do a terrible job, but he's also been paid, and I could easily see him retiring. And if you're not, if you're him, why wouldn't you? Um, well, but I mean, love of the game, but, and I get it. Bill Belichick is 70. So. True, true, but I mean, and just, the David Culley thing is the one that just made me go, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, right. could you have put a guy in a situation that was worse than that? No, but that's and, why. I mean, I think there was no one. No you know, one else was going to. Per- you're the first person I've heard say that. Yeah, and no one not- else was going to take the job, and I think David Culley at least wanted an opportunity to show that he could do it. He got his chance to do it, even though it was rigged. And look, I'm not saying that that's okay. I think that as an organization, Houston is just a dumpster fire. Right, I and so I mean, and and that doesn't give them sort of a pass. Who on... was their GM? That was O'Brien, Bill O'Brien. Well, Bill O'Brien was the coach, and he was playing the role of GM, and okay. he he did. Oh, he's a... the one who traded away DeAndre Hopkins, and... right? And okay. I think the tackle as well, yeah, or, or somebody. Yeah. He, it yeah. was just he. All you know, right. Bill O'Brien made a mess of it over there. Um, but look, I mean, like the NFL does have an issue with with race and 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 their and their head coaching positions, um, and I think. Where I want to see the biggest change in this offseason are, you know, black people in GM roles and in the higher level executive roles because they really have more say and influence over who the coaches are, right? Like if if the owners are white and the GMs are white and the people that are talking to the GMs are, you know, in the team are all white – then you're not really going to have anyone in there pulling for the black coach to get an interview. Um, and even if it's just another white guy in the group, he might get dismissed. But if you've got a black guy on staff, if you've got a black guy, you know, at, you know, that general manager role or president role or executive of scouting, recruiting, whatever, then all of a sudden, um, which would actually be more of a coaching staff, but it, like in that, in the executive office, if you've got more more non-white faces there, then you're going to start to see more non-white faces on the field. Um, so I think that's where the NFL really has to center its efforts on on 
you know, shifting and, and getting more diversity. And then I think you'll see the impact on the field. Now, the other problem with the NFL is that it is incredibly um, incestuous and driven by nepotism in terms of who gets into sure. these positions, right? So um, when you say there's not enough black guys on the field, black guys kind of own the field. Um, As in players. I, I, you no, said those I mean, words, I wanted to just... Right, because you can't just let it go, right? Obviously, I meant... No, Walter, I, I'm not I, wrong. I'm just an asshole. Right, right. I just I just <clears throat> meant... You know what I mean, I know right? what you mean. Yeah, I just right. wanted to... We need them in... The, what we need is, is is you need... In the, a, in the offices. You need more is, diversity in, in the at office, the executive yeah. level. Yes. Um, you know, in that general manager role, um, which will help sort of, you know, foster... And, and 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 generate the the sort of organic hiring of different yeah, coaches. Sure. Um, and the other thing is, you're starting to see, um, you know, you are starting to see more players uh, after they're done take you know the necessary steps to get themselves into roles to be coaches, and more than just position coaches, right? Because you know, yes, it's football in a game, but there is there is a business administration aspect to running an NFL team from even the coach level sure. that you have to learn, right? Like you don't just do it and you need experience doing it and you need experience doing it at the NFL level because college is different than the NFL and, 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 you know, college is different than high school. And so like you need experience if you want to do it at the NFL level, you need experience at the NFL level. And so there are more players who are not only just, you know, being, you know, basically graduate assistants, but they're, you know, they're climbing the ranks as position coaches and then becoming coordinators. Uh, Byron Leftwich is an example sure. um, of a guy who was a quarterback and quickly became, um, uh, you know, started off as a, as a quarterback's coach. It is now uh, uh, the offensive coordinator at Tampa Bay, who's in the playoffs, who won the Super Bowl last year, and he's being considered for NFL coaching positions, right? Sure. Um, because he's proven his, his, acumen on the field as a player and now as a coordinator um, and people see the value in it and he's well respected in the league um, you know people have been carrying water for Eric Bieniemy for a while now um, and oddly enough it seems as though his name has completely died down out of the out of all of this which is interesting um, but there's so this this is something that can be attacked from multiple angles um, and I think it's I think it's in a better position than people want to give it credit for and then the numbers are showing because I think you have more p people um, from a diversity standpoint that are actually in positions where they can start to move into better roles, right? There are more people, um, there's a diverse group of people on the executive level that are going to move into general manager roles or assistant GM roles. Um, you know, Cleveland, uh, uh, Barry, uh, the general manager here is a young black guy, right? And um, he's, I think he's younger than I am. I think he's like 36 years old. Um, and I think he's done a pretty decent job to this point, <clears throat> um, but you're, you're starting to see you're starting to see more of it there. And once you see more of it there in those positions, I think the numbers will shift on the field. And I think that there are a lot there is a lot of there are a lot of good coaches in position that will be um, able to reap the benefits of this in the next I would say three seasons and, and cycles of, of Black Fridays after after the regular season. I agree with most of what you said. I, I would have said it somewhat differently, but um, we're, we're we've gone right. long. And not as eloquently. It's fine. Uh, well, that it's is hard, why, it's that hard is why I am that's, the That's why you're here. Okay. We are at Whiskey Congress on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening. We are done. Peace be with you.